You guys, welcome back to the E&D Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cutchell. And you guys, our next guest needs no introduction. Some might call him the scene king. Ladies and gentlemen, get your bras off and ready to toss at Craig Owens. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Damn. Sinking has so, a good ring to it. <laughs> the what? The sinking has a good sinking ring to it. Sinking does. Okay. So you've been called the sinking. And have you, I? Yes, dude. You didn't just make that up? Bro, I swear to God, man. Yeah. Maybe I've just been right. calling you that. <laughs> All right. No, but like, so back in the Warp Tour days when I played in bands, there were a few figures that were just the kings of the scene. You were obviously one of them. Do you, I'm surprised you haven't heard that. I mean, I've you heard it. I'm just, have. I'm just, you're being modest, I'm bro. Just, you know. So, so as scene King, so back then for me, I remember, um, Johnny Craig, Anthony Green, Craig Owens, and then, and Sonny Moore, those were four of the big names back then that people like, if you guys walked around Warp Tour, it game over, that's like a, pe- people would chase you. I remember those days. That's a good AP cover. That's a great AP cover. Yeah, that good, is a good AP cover. Yeah. Has it hap- has that one happened before? That one hasn't happened. No. There's there's been, you know, they do the multiples. Yeah. Or they did the multiples for Warp Tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say but so when you one. when on your AP covers, did you have some with just Chiodos? Yeah, I had some with Chiodos, some with just me, some with other people, um some with like different with drugs. Um what kind of drugs? And then some with <laughs> you stop that. And then some with uh, uh, just different warp tour people, different like you know people taste of chaos. Yeah. Um, different things like that. I remember we did one where we were all in a car, and I recently just saw this, and it was like Leto and I in the back seat, Cove and Bert. Uh, Cove from he was in Seosin at the time. He's in Dead American now, and then yep. Bert. Uh, in the driver's seat, no one was there. We weren't together. But they put you guys. But, there. but put it all together, and I just saw it for the first time the other day. And I don't think I had any tattoos. Like I mean, no I had shit. some, but I just like, you know, I. Uh, it's a long time ago. Was that a cover? Yeah, it was a cover. That's an iconic cover. Yeah, yeah. we got to pull. Holy that up. shit! Um, okay, so talking of scene kings, there's obviously a Mount Rushmore for people. Mm-hmm. Do you have a Mount Rushmore of? four artists within the scene mm-hmm. that you're like, those are almost like the founding fathers, the Mount Rushmore, um, the greats of, Oof, of the scene. That's hard. That's really that's hard. Um, There's so many people that, that influenced it in different ways throughout the years and different people that kind of took the title maybe even every two years, something like that. It kind of changed. Um, yeah. yeah I, it, it's hard, especially when you say scene, because for me, it would be like there were a lot of influences coming up like at the drive-in, but I don't know if we would say that they were a part of the scene. Count it. You know? Count it for Count sure. It. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely, definitely at the drive-in. Um, I was a huge Thursday fan uh, growing up, so Jeff obviously needs to be on there. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. You got two uh, like more. Off the top of my head. Um, and it's okay to put yourself on there. Yeah, I mean, we can just uh, well not or not put me on there. Um, let's see. I love how modest you are. I, not, I, I love it, dude. If I'm Craig Owens, I'm definitely putting myself in George Washington. <laughs> I think I feel like Anthony needs to be on there. Yeah, and and probably Claudio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, Claudio's Sanchez? another good one. Okay. Yeah. You know. Okay. I don't know if like that would stay the same if you asked me in an hour. 
Yep. Yeah. But I'm going to go with that for now. Bro, I'm telling you, mine changed too because my first, if I had to do four, my first four are the bands that got me into the scene. Right. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? So yes. like Aaron Gillespie and Spencer Chamberlain would be two of four. Sure. Burt McCracken, Adam Lazar, like those are the bands that got me into the scene. But it just, it shifts, it changes every year. I yeah. guess at least back then, every year, because you you'd then discover your new band and be like, oh shit, now... Burt McCracken is on and he replaced Adam Lazar for whatever reason. So yeah. that is a tough question. Isn't Anthony Green on your list? Yeah, Anthony Green's on mine. Yeah. I got I got a yeah, so I, I have Robert Smith, Anthony mm-hmm. Green, Davey Havoc. Oh, and, see, every time you guys say someone, I'm like, I want to change my list. Right. Cause Davey and then you've got uh Burt. I mean yep. I still love it's the tough. so much. Yeah, it's four is yeah. not enough placements. So what were what were two others? Uh it was Anthony Green, Spencer Chamberlain. Uh, yep. Robert Smith of The Cure, and then uh, uh, Davey Havoc. Yep. If I, yeah. yep. That's a great list. Yeah, and, and I think people would contend Robert Smith being on there, mm-hmm. but The Cure, from an aesthetic standpoint, and the goth wave, I don't know. I think it firmly, I, I firmly believe it belongs in the, the history of emo, but most people would disagree. Yeah. I was going to say, so many E&D fans, and we, we talk to the fans about everything, and there are a lot of them that give their opinions, and so many people agree. The Cure is part of the movement, part of the culture, part of the scene, but why, why, is, it a, but why is it a divided opinion? What well, exactly? Because it was before DC Hardcore really even took off. I mean, the 80s, The Cure was, I mean... Oh, just because how old school how, they were. How old it was, and it was more like new wave at the time. Like it was definitely more on that side. But but aesthetically, Robert Smith with the eyeliner and the crazy hair, and you know the black goth kind of vibe, uh, the downtrodden, melancholy kind of demeanor. I feel like that was at least aesthetically like paramount to the emo culture. Personally, one, one cool thing about you know just what we're talking about is how much talent. Yeah. Is in this yeah. like music community. Yeah. For real. Do you know what I mean? Like if oh, you yeah. think about that, we're talking about just prolific frontmen right. right now, basically. But if you think about that in comparison to other music scenes and other like small little niches of music, like it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Y- like we're huge. we're pretty stacked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, dude, it's crazy. Stacked. So stacked. And it's funny because I would argue that now the scene is almost bigger than ever because yes a we have all the back then it was all a fan base of teenagers and 20 year olds because we were all you guys were you know 20 years old in these bands now we not only have those fans that grew up but we now have their kids that are starting to enjoy the music which is what yeah i've just started seeing that too uh i just did a solo run to promote uh my new album the new solo album volume one august 18th whichever came nice. let's go Got that let's plug go in early this um, time. always yeah <laughs> that job. won't be the last time i say it either um but you know it was one of the first times where i could see a divide and you know i have a kind of a a divide with all of my projects because different people enjoy it and they, they came at different times and it connected with different people. But um, I have really started noticing some like generational, yep, you know, uh, trickle down. Yeah. For yeah. lack of a better word. I, I think there was a gap. There was a gap between like our generation who came up in the scene and then there was like a 10 year gap where no one, you know, either people were just starting to have kids and that's too young or like they hadn't reached their peak in the, in their career and their, you know, and so there was just this gap where there was a lack of support in the industry. It feels like looking back and now as people kind of reenter, their kids are a little older, they can enjoy it. Um, people have reached 
their peak of their careers so they can make moves within the scene. They can hire that band for that event that they're doing or whatever. They're at Monster now and they used, you know what I mean? They used mm-hmm. to just be a fan and now they can. So I, I don't know. I, I, I sense that too, that the, the, the generation is catching up to the, the, the music again a little bit. Sure. Yeah, the generation, because I, I feel like that, like we talk about like it's not a phase, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the, there's, there's some weight there. Yeah. Um, because I think so many of us thought that we would cycle out Mm-hmm. Of, of this music, mm-hmm. but you never really get to cycle out of your formative yep. uh, favorite songs, really, yeah. or, or musicians. And it's also cool because, like, generationally, you know, I think that the appeal of what we do is more appealing than maybe, like, like I grew up with classic rock kind yep. of being shoved down my throat. So I was like, well, I definitely don't want to be that. Right. I don't, like, the aesthetic, the look, the vibe, the community... But like now it's a little bit cooler, so maybe their their kids are seeing it and they're like, okay, yeah, like that's pretty cool. I actually like want to be a part of that. Dude, you know, it's it's cooler now than it was then, and I think because then it was a trend, it was different, it was unique, and it was a trend people thought was just going to kind of be gone and then forgotten about. And now there's this full resurgence, and it's like certified cool in a weird, in a very strange way. And you said something earlier that I wanted to like touch on is like your records that you've created, your songs that, you've, that you have created, they're going to live on forever and get played forever because you created dope music. It was a very unique sound then, but it was still dope. It doesn't matter if it was unique. That was fucking cool. It was cool as shit. And so now, um, and I've, I've gotten this compliment a lot from, from younger people on my Instagram that, you know, E&D fans that are, you know, 22, 24 years old. And they're saying, dude, I'm discovering that music from 20 years ago on, great. Your, on, on your videos. And like the video we did together was um, Baby, Baby Wouldn't, Wouldn't Last, Last a Minute yeah. on the Creek. And new fans are like in the comments being like, what song is this? What song is this? And they're discovering the music for the first time and are like mind blown by it. It's great. And it's so sick to see. Yeah. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, like it, it helps with, you know, with with people like you, doing so much for the community, you know, and and putting that out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and there are different little ways, um, and there are different communities outside of that that are kind of fringe, but it's all coming together into into the one thing. You know, so yeah. it's cool. Yeah, cool. Gavin, you you always say that like, um, and, and this, I love Gavin's passion, and the fans are starting to learn who he is too. But his true passion to do whatever it takes to service the scene yeah. is unbelievable. Like because building the platform for sure. the community, because I, the mistake I see that happened in the past was it all wrote on Kevin Lyman, like in Warp Tour, and when that, you know, when the passion left that, and then it, it was allowed to crumble. It was probably already on its way a little bit of like sizzling, like kind of simmering down. And then you remove that one platform that was Warp Tour. And, you know, we have a four-year drought, more or less. You know, it could have been longer, it could have been shorter, depending mm-hmm. on your music taste. But yeah, so so building a platform for the scene to live longer than five years. So it's not a, a cyclical thing because you're right, like classic rock, like people still buy Metallica t-shirts. You, yeah. They're still touring. Motley Crue just went on tour like two years ago. <laughs> I know. And they're all doing like their third final tours. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah it's it great. great. And so I, 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 I see, yeah, I see this being around for a long time. Um, you mentioned at the drive-in earlier, which I appreciate. Yeah. Cedric was actually just on Instagram talking shit about us, which I loved. Um, he posted a shirt. He, Did I not know this? 
I don't think so. Okay, shit, he, tell he, me. He posted a picture. He was at the airport. He posted a picture of someone wearing an ENDT. And mm-hmm. he was like, uh, and he was just like, uh, hey, buddy, I got some news for you, dot, 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 or something like that. Okay, and like it's not dead. Like it's not dead. Okay. And he didn't know it was a brand or anything. And all these people <laughs> were tagging us. And, and uh, I ended up just posting a gif of someone eating popcorn. And then he deleted it because he realized we were a brand. And that right. it was like a real thing. But so you mentioned at the drive-in, huge influence for me, like big and post-hardcore progressive. What were what were the bands that you think like really kind of started this, you know, there's the, uh, the emo copy paste of, of the, you know, original yeah, yeah, DC sure. hardcore. The copy pasta, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. what, do, what do you think, what is your opinion on like who really started mm. this, you know, this subculture? That's really difficult because everybody was like at, everybody was off to the races around the same time, but I'll say that, it started maybe not necessarily at the beginning, but I think it started at once bands like Thrice and Thursday got their major label deals. Yeah. Um, I remember when that happened and, you know, there had been bands like Newfound Glory that had popped through Blink, um, bands like that that had kind of launched the the counterculture, fun, punk-influenced music to the masses. Um but once Thrice and Thursday signed those major label deals at the same time, it was like everybody realized, okay, we can do this too. And that kind of added that, you know, I come from more of a post-hardcore background. So for me, that those bands were really pivotal in, in even like my chem. Right. You know, um, just showing me that like there's, there's more that can be done here. Yeah. Um, so Proof of concept. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really like... I give a lot of credit to both of those bands yeah. um, for for their influence, and obviously there were bands like AFI and right. and um, at the drive-in doing it before in kind of that that way, and you know you can go down the copy pasta, and everybody has had an impact in their own way, but for the scene, the scene scene, yep. I think I think people like AFI, I think of you know people Thrice like Thursday. That's great. Are those mm-hmm. some of the bands that truly influence you to want to start doing music? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Is there is there one in specific like and like early under oath too? Mm-hmm. I, like changing at times was pretty pretty mm-hmm. big during that time for me. It's wild because you're the probably the fourth guest that we've had on, and I back this solely how mm-hmm. important under oath was to this is to the scene. Yeah, yeah and how influential and um, it's it's funny because I got hooked on them from the only chasing safety. That's, that's what introduced me to under oath and Gavin listened to some, you listen to some of their older stuff. And so I'm starting to kind of dive into their older, mm-hmm. older stuff, but like, it's, it's, it's cool to see the respect for under oath and how, in, how incredibly well they've constantly done because they've, they've kept going. Yeah. It's really impressive. I just played with Aaron a couple of weeks ago on a, on a solo show and it was amazing just watching him just crush what a voice you yeah. know um was that an emo night thing no it was a separate performance for so what that we did we like combined uh, i was on tour and then we combined tour packages it yeah. was cool it was great was it was it yeah. him solo or him with the almost uh it was him solo but he was playing kind of an array of yeah of the songs and dude what a talented guy and i so, love aaron he's, he's so nice too he's a sweetheart yeah, yeah. aaron's great what's up E&D lovers it's your boy matt here to tell you if you need a new shirt Support the little guys and buy our merch. This right here is the Mosh T. It says emo is not dead in metal text. Pretty sick, huh? Oh, and this one? This is the Inferno T. It's a half-dead, scorching-hot eagle. 
Who doesn't love Eagles? This is our Sad Kids Society hoodie. We're actually having trouble keeping this one in stock. Check out the back on this bad boy. This is the Mourn Me long sleeve. It's got long sleeves to cover up those hideous tattoos we accidentally get. This sleeve's covering up my ex-girlfriend's name. Check out the back on this bad boy. And for our people who want to keep it a little bit more simple and classic, our E&D signature range. Quality fabrics, premium fit. So head to emosnotdead.com, use the discount code podcast, and support the little guy for once. So is there a certain vocalist who inspired you to start singing? What made you, why do you want to start singing? Was it someone that you're like, I want to do that? Uh, it was like seventh grade and we had to take it. We had to take choir in order to like move on. Um, and my choir teacher pulled me aside afterwards and said, you really have a talent. You really have a gift. You have to sing. I'm going to sign you up for choir again next year. And I said, no, I want to play basketball. I don't like socially. I don't want to be in choir. Don't do this to me. Um, but I was like, sure, I'll do it anyway. I did it, and then um, first, I think the first concert had a solo and uh, changed everything. Literally, <laughs> literally changed everything. Um, I felt the air kind of leave the room, and I was like, "That was that was just it. That was just it for me." Can you imagine you going know? to like a, a a seventh grade choir performance and then? Little Craig Owens comes, walks up, <laughs> and he just—I think it was uh, if if I could turn back time by Cher. Too. Oh, really, <laughs> yeah. dude? And he just crushes. <laughs> oh, I love that visual. Yeah. Do we? Is there any? Does well, any? I look like Harry Potter too. Oh, if, if I'm dude. if I'm helping at all with a bowl cut and Damn. shaved underneath though, shaved underneath, the so shaved cool. underneath bowl cut. Yeah, yeah, bro. Just, sick. Is, is there any tatted. footage? Is there any fully tatted? <laughs> <Just> fully tatted. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Oh my! Is there any footage out there? There's Camcorder, not. Nothing. There's not. Yeah. Oh, uh, for man. some reason, my my school district um, was like very strict on that, and it's a bummer. I think they were worried about getting sued or something. But I mean, who's gonna? Yeah. I don't know. But so none of my musicals, none of my concerts, and I really dedicated my life to this for for I think from seventh grade on. Yeah. Um, but none of it. None of it is recorded. Jeez. Yeah. Did you did you did you have any normal jobs before being a touring musician? So I had two jobs. They were both when I was seventeen. I worked at a bank because my mom got me in, and it was right. Um, I was like a teller for maybe two months. I think I just finished training, and I was still like a scared kid. So like, I just didn't go in one day. And you can't really do that when you work at a bank. <laughs> and, and I didn't take Just my mother's casually didn't go in my mother's like career or respect or any of that into account either. Um, so that was one. And then I actually worked at a go kart place for a summer. Yeah, which was like awesome. It was super big cool. difference. Big difference from yeah. a bank. To, I mean, being a teenager working yep. from a bank to to a go kart way way, way more fun. Way none better. of them. None of them longer than three months. And then started touring pretty much. Uh, not too long after that, because we started writing All's Well, I think, when I was like 17 years old. That mm -hmm. was the first album. Yeah. So, and, and when did you start seeing significant money come in? Because I know, obviously, the tour is a grind. I toured in a band back in the day, and we were mm -hmm. just flat broke. I was pulling from my bank account to fund it. The only other guy who had a job, we were like keeping the band afloat. And did you, like, when did you first start seeing money? And you're like, wait a second, there's now a crowd. I just sold a bunch of merch and I got written a nice check. Do you remember like that year? Was there a specific year of 
your first bands blow up where you started making money? Probably 2006. Yeah. I think 2006 is when it started becoming like a, a professional business, yeah. you know? Um, and that obviously comes with its own little complications too, but mm-hmm. uh, it's so sick to just be able to, to hang out with your friends and go tour the country and play music that you love for, you know, this counterculture full of people like you and, and be able to have that be your job. It's the, just the sickest thing. You know what I mean? So sick. Yeah. So, so do you not consider the heartless control everything as the first album? No, I consider it the first EP just because there's seven songs. Yeah. Um, but there was another EP before that and another EP before that. Yeah. There's three actually. Yep. As the Chiodos bros. Yep. Brothers. As the Chiodos brothers. Yep. Yeah. Um, and but the first full-length album would be 2005, All's Well That Ends Well. Got it. And yeah. what, what, what inspired, like, obviously, the, I, I read the Wikipedia. Chios yeah. Bros was a, a Chios Brothers was a uh, VFX studio. Yeah, I mean, what happened was I just got stoned with my friends after school, and we were, like, just smoking weed. We'd go to, the, like, like, the Blockbuster or the local video rental store, and we would just find campy horror movies to watch Got for it. fun. And we were supposed to do a talent show. We needed a name. I literally just flipped the box over from this movie, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, that we had gotten. And I was like, what about this? And we just wrote it down. But then we won the the talent show. And everybody started knowing the name. We're like, okay, this is off to a good start. Interesting. And I that was it. it. I thought you were just a big California Raisins fan because they, <laughs> they did the VFX for that. You know what's crazy is the name of our band before that was All Time Low. Oh, interesting. No way. That was the first that was the first Chiodos band name, yeah. Was that no named after way. Newfound Glory? No, it was just like a nice little emo yeah. tinge to yeah. it. And we just thought it was pretty cool. Um we went through two names before Chiodos Bros. It was Second Chance, it was All Time Low, and then it was the Chiodos Brothers. But we'd never played any shows under Second Chance or All Time Low. What's the worst pronunciation of Chiodos you've ever heard? <laughs> All of them that aren't right. I don't know. Chiodos. Um, Chiodos. I've ever heard like, yeah. like people... Kaidos. It, yeah, Kaidos. Kaidos. Um, Cheetos. Cheetos a lot. Um Good old chodes. The chodes. Chodes. Oh, you no. know, chodes is a great one. <laughs> the chodes. Yeah, yeah. chodes the I accept. <laughs> yeah, I accept, yeah. I accept chodes more than Kyoto's. <laughs> the chodes. You know what I mean? Why do I love that? <laughs> so punk rock, dude. The chodes. <laughs> Damn. Uh, so, yeah. dude, in, in 2006, you said was kind of like the first year where you're like, oh shit, this is a career. Yeah. And obviously, was that, would you call that the blow up year? Was that your, yeah, was that, that, was, year, a that was a blow up year? And it started in January. And blow was, up was that was, on a song, an album? What, what was that? It was, I mean, All's Well had been out for six months at that point, All's and well. it hadn't yeah. really popped off. It hadn't really done very well, but it was like decent for like what we had built because we did like the label owner and I booked seven full US DIY tours before we ever got signed. And we just toured nonstop, like just grinding. So we had some, a bit of a base, but it wasn't until our first like bigger tour, but yeah, 2006, um, I think they might've started resurfacing baby to like fuse mm-hmm. and things like that. But Chiodos is special because we are one of the only bands that, that I can think of that fuse banned us super early. Right. So fuse was taken away. We never got mm. radio and we never signed to a major label. Damn. So like, if you think about big emo, which is what I call it, a lot of these formative bands that we kind of partnered up with, we're kind of near, had all of these other 
advantages, mm-hmm. really, is what I would call it. And uh, Chiotas is special because it was just all about the culture. It was always it was about the people. It was yeah. about the music, and it just resonated in kind of a cool way. But what's crazy yeah. is I can I mean I know it's not considered rock and roll, but that's true rock and roll. Do you, do you know what I'm me, saying? Like like yeah. to, like to me too. That's true rock and roll that you guys are like for of the fans for the fans and almost like fuck you if I'm not getting radio play we're going to keep we're we're doing this for our people and I think that's why you guys have such a fandom. Yeah. You, you guys have a very loyal audience. E- even how Absolutely. that that album was recorded. Like I'll never I'll never forget the first time someone put in a tape cassette converter to the iPod you know? and <laughs> yeah. and the word like wiggle it just right wiggle it, yeah. yep. and it sounded like <laughs> shit and but the recordings were so DIY for that album that it didn't sound as bad as you'd think coming from bad speakers with a bad cassette converter and I just I'll never forget the word best friend becomes redefined and like everyone in the car is just like air guitaring. Yeah. And like that was my experience with Chiodos was like getting in the car to go somewhere, go get a pack of smokes, go hang out with the friends and everyone would, it would just blast and everyone would, it was just fun, like really fun to listen to in the car for some reason. And I, I don't know, it, it, it was like so under the radar and then all of a sudden it was just, we're here. Yeah. And yeah, that record's special because... So much of it was written. I mentioned like the seven full U.S. DIY tours that we did before we were signed. That was when we were writing it. That was when we were working it out. So we would that record was technically written to be played live. Right. It was written so we could show up to these places in a random city that we'd never been and make sure five people left, right, knowing who we were, um, mm. and making sure that it just all slapped. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big like. I feel like the live just really is what made that record connect. Yep. You know, the right way. That makes sense. Make it slap, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So 2006, you guys had your kind of blow up moment. Um, do you have a specific year where you guys, I don't want to say peaked, but where the, Mm. where the fandom and the fame was like real, where you were going to a mall and kids would run up to you where you would walk warp tour and like people would just chase you down. Like, was that 2006, 2007? Yeah, I mean, it happened in different places before that, but it wasn't as aggressive as 2006. But I would say the peak of Chiodo's success was probably 2008. Okay. Uh, tour like Lincoln Park and, yeah. and things like that. And That's when you needed um, security and to walk around Warp Tour and stuff? I always, I literally would just... I would have a friend come with me, but I love walking around Warp Tour because you get to meet people, you get to just be nice and be out, watch all the bands. It was just cool. But going places, I would just treat everybody like they were zombies and just weave in and out. And now I'm great at airports. This is like a life skill that mm-hmm. I can take with me forever. Yep. I can walk through a crowd real well now. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, you know how to keep moving and yeah, just get there. You keep moving and I can I can bring someone with me and just be yeah. like, no, go left, yeah. right. Like Great. You, know, you know what's so yeah. fun is like I, I had a social media following before doing Emo's Not Dead, yep. but that following is so scattered that if I'm in public every now and then someone comes and says hi. But when we went to When We Were Young, I actually got a little taste of Craig Owens. Oh, you mm. did? Because yep. they're all fans for Emo. So walking around, I was like, holy shit, if I don't keep moving, people are going to come up. Forever. And, and I, dude, and I loved it. It yeah. was so, I mean, You've been dealing with this your whole life, so it's probably annoying for you. But I was like, never annoying. Yeah, always yeah, grateful. Okay, I'm okay, always good. grateful. Good, I'm, I'm, good. If I'm annoyed, it's because I was annoyed before you came up to me. 
Oh, okay. Do you know what I, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's. I, I feel that. No, yeah. I, I get that. So, yep. and you got to respect that. But like, yeah. I remember thinking, like, damn, this is so wild that this is what people experience at such a younger age. Like me, like me. When you're not a heartthrob like he is. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. kidding? Look at this guy. Yeah, not, come on, dude. I mean, yeah, give me come on. Something. <laughs> I mean, he's he's, give the, me something. he's the heartthrob. I mean, yeah. And, and, and speaking of heartthrob, mm-hmm. how many HJs have you had? <laughs> Like <laughs> you told me you were gonna sneak in, sneak we in a told, hand job we told joke. You were gonna stick to that. Are, <laughs> like, like, heaven's like, <laughs> like we're in the thousands. We're, we we have to be have, in the thousands. I mean, now. tens of thousands of hand jobs. Tens of thousands, dude. My, Are we but, counting OTPHJs over uh, the pants hand jobs? No, 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 just hand jobs. Okay. No, I want to call it just straight hand on hand on cock. <laughs> <laughs> just skin to skin. Yeah, Gordon. Gordon, blur this out, okay? If you're if you're seeing this now, <laughs> poor Gordon, the shit, the shit that he has to edit. Um, no, but so have you ever like obviously in the in the height of being super famous, you then can literally all the attention and all the girls on you. Have you ever have you ever dated a fan that you fell in love with? Have you ever dated a fan? First of all, I, no, or, or I sorry, try not to. sorry, who started as a fan and then you continued a relationship. Maybe, but they wouldn't have been met in like a fan situation. Got it. That makes um, sense. It would have been like a mutual friend that eventually would have been that, or we would have just like connected because I'm pretty guarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a minute to to get close to me, you know? Yeah, um, I feel that. Yeah. But dude, 2006 was crazy because that was also like the first time I could go to a Barnes and Noble or even in the airport and just like see my face. See oh, my shit. face on the cover of a magazine, yeah. things like this. Different countries show up, see your face in a magazine. Like, damn, just crazy, you dude. Know, just crazy stuff. This must have been Bone Palace Ballet that era. Yeah, two thousand seven is when Bone Palace came yep. out, so it would have been right around that. So touring on that is what, where that, uh, where Chiodos, that was your fame really kind of peaked at that moment, or yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the success of Chiodos, yeah, so, specifically. So after Bone, uh, Bone Palace Ballet you know, uh, the band breaks up and we're all heartbroken. Yeah. So kinda. Yeah. Kinda. Well, okay. So give me the I mean, story. They should then. have, yeah. but they didn't. Oh, but right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So get in, get into that a little bit because yeah. as a, as an observer, you know, and we've, we've talked a little bit in the past. Um, but, yeah. but even as someone as well read and researched as I am, it's a fuzzy, foggy story online. Yeah. So I'm curious, I'm curious from your perspective, what, what happened there and then how did how did you regain favor to, to end up coming back for the third record <laughs> i don't know if the favor was ever regained um it was just basically a coup mm-hmm. um i was getting ready to switch management sign to a new label do because i've always run the business for every band that i do yep um and we were getting ready to literally clean house um there had been some relationship issues in the band, but we were all like young 20s yep. making way too much money and trying to figure it out with no real communication or mentorship that to lead us down the right path, you know? Right. Um, but basically, it was just a coup. Um, and yeah. Yeah, okay. That, so was, that was pretty much it. So and the, the story online is, is pretty close to the, the truth where you get yeah. a phone call and blindsided 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 and um and i mean obviously eventually you guys reunite for a few records um but yep. what, what for was one going, yeah. for one yeah yep so what what went through your mind in that moment was it was it 
no, fuck this. I'm going to get this back. Or was it, okay, I'll start over. No big deal. In which moment specifically in 2009 when it happened? Yeah. When it happened, when, when you get that call, I got the call and I think literally the first thing I said, I just made a joke because I was in shock. I just made a joke. I'm like, I guess I should get the tattoo removed then, huh? And then I like hung up. But they had already like posted it online before I had hung up. That's, oh, a, shit. that's um, a sick line to say. That was literally the only thing I could think of. I had no idea what to say or do. None of them called me. It was it was management. management. Um, oh, and damn. then I less than twenty four hours, I had gotten the major label deal. I had gotten a whole new band together, and it. It was a little too quick. I wish I would have taken some more time and worked on myself. Right. But um, yeah, within 24 to 48 hours, I my phone was ringing off the hook and uh, signed my first major label deal within a few months and made more money the next year than I ever did previous. So And, and that was drugs? That was drugs, yeah. Got it. Okay, yep. so do, do you... Oh, wow. Okay. So it was like, it was that quick. It was, it was very quick because all the team that I had been building, the plans that I had been making... They all still there. We're going with me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And then um, they kind of did their thing, and I did my thing. And interesting. Yeah, interesting. So was it was it was it hard seeing someone else sing your songs, or was it kind of middle fingers in the air? I didn't really look. Okay. It's like I've yeah. always described it as like like you know if you go through a breakup from a long relationship, like it's probably not healthy for you to go and look at their Facebook or look at their like yeah things that they're posting, their Instagrams or whatever. Right. So I just created as much distance from it as I could. I think initially I took a peek because I was curious, um, but I didn't really feel a way about it, to be honest. It just like when I was watching it, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm really not, I'm a very like goal-oriented, problem-solving, unapologetically moving forward kind of person. Yep. I don't really dwell. I don't really carry things with me because that stuff is all like non-conducive to success and moving forward and happiness. So it was just like, okay, what now? What do I do now? Um, and obviously I had like some subconscious natural grief right. to mm-hmm. like process, um, which was difficult for me to process at that time because I was also addicted to like prescription pills yeah. at that time. So um, it just took me a little while and I was able to finally process all that, you know? Got it. Yeah. Did when you had your um addiction yeah did you did you create did you create some great stuff that you're that you're proud of do you look back at the stuff that you created and you're I like damn i think it was all trash okay i think it i don't okay. think any of it was good i think the placebo effect or the my brain working against me was telling me that it was good hmm. not good and and like interesting yeah yeah and, and I, I just I find that interesting because that you hear of all these legendary bands who create some of their greatest work when they're high, well, and, and when they're on benders and like and I don't I don't doubt it's it's this for some people this sober for for others but that's why I asked that question is like uh, I'm just curious to know like your writing process during that time of your life, and you know for me my best writing happens when I am zoned out so. I was like hyper focused in those mm. moments. So I was just like overanalyzing, trying to be smart. Uh, I was too focused. And my best writing comes from when 
I can detach when I'm thinking about something else. I write the best guitar parts when I'm watching TV and I have the guitar in my hand. Uh, it's all about tapping into that subconscious yeah. and the natural reality of your situation because your mind will trick you into thinking, who am I? How do I want to be perceived? All of these yeah. things. And that's not vulnerability. Right. Right? Yeah. So, Dude, it's yeah. funny when you, I mean, by no means have I written nearly as many songs as you or even great songs, but I did have some experience in a band and I'm writing for my album right now with Andrew Goldstein and uh, Gavin, who runs our business day to day, all, and I'm so glad you understand this because he has the manager role for me as well in, in this project. Yeah. But you, when you said, I need to zone out, that's such a real thing because, and I've learned this about myself, if we have business stuff to go over, That'll take me completely out of my creative mode. Oh yeah, and I'll be trash at writing. And and I do find myself to be a fairly good writer. And I'm proud of some of the stuff that I've come up with. And and Andrew and I work well together. And I'm really proud of the songs that we've that we've written so far. But there are t- like I went to the studio with Andrew one time, and it was after a call that we've had and I had to do deal with some house stuff and I had to talk to this lawyer and then I rushed to the studio late from all that shit. I was trash. Yeah. It was, it's one of the songs that we scrapped. Yeah. And afterwards I'm like, what the fuck did I write? This is shitty. And so zoning out to me has been a huge, a huge priority to get stuff written. And, yeah. and that means I have to wake up with no distractions and have the coffee and stare at the fucking clouds and, and I don't know, I, or stare at the TV and watch mindless stuff that makes you fucking excited or whatever, yeah. you know? I saw a quote not too long ago, just basically, I don't remember it um, word for word, but basically the concept is like a lot of artists spend their life making their life conducive around creating. And Mm. those things all impact you. They all affect your creativeness. And from the outside in, if you're not in, you know, if I was lesser, um, uh, if, if, if I didn't understand the creative process, because I'm a creative too, sure. so I understand the creative process. If I didn't know the creative process and I was all analytical or all numbers, I wouldn't know to protect creativity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people get themselves in situations where they, well, I, I think a lot of people actually uh, who don't understand it, um, they perceive it as being an asshole or lazy. Yeah, or that's what, what I'm saying. Yes. Or like, I don't know, maybe something triggers you or sends you off mm-hmm. or there's... You know, for me, I'm naturally an introvert. I started doing this as a way to take that back, take my power back. Um, so if I'm overly social and my my battery is die, like dead, yep. you know what I mean? Um, I can't be completely open and honest because I'm healing. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, 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 it's super important, you know? Do you approach songwriting differently with drugs versus Chiodos? Yeah. Or is it, oh, you do. Okay, and what, what is philosophically different for you um, about those two bands and how you approach songwriting? Drugs is songwriting. Drugs is a high focus on songwriting with low-tuned, fast guitars and some Harry Potter Nightmare Before Christmas production in between. Chiodos is a combination of experiments, creative experiments, that are all magic-captured moments. Beautiful. That's, wow. that's the difference. That's awesome. Yep. That's, that, it's cool to hear that yeah. Like explanation. I've always it. wanted to ask you that. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I, I know. I could tell when we were writing your, some of your questions. He was stoked on that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then you're so you are you just toured with drugs, right? Yeah, doing another one coming up with Escape the Fate and a bunch of cool bands. That it's one's gonna, gonna, be, gonna sick. be so dope. Yeah, it's gonna be sick. I just did Australia with them and it was awesome. You guys play in L.A. 
Yeah. I don't know when or where, but I will invite I, you. I will text you. Yeah, because please. Because we have to go. Yeah. Um, Is Dead American on that tour as well? No, it's like Point North, Stitched Apart, and Garzy. Oh, got it. Okay. Are the other okay. support. I remember seeing the flyer. Yep. Yeah. see so many of those nowadays. I know. <laughs> well, the market's just really oversaturated. It's crazy. I, I, I've never seen... Thank you, pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it... I've never seen so many comments on like a tour post where it's like, I want to go see you, but there's this show that night. Oh, and then fuck. in two shows or in two nights, there's this show. And I'm like, wow, yo, dude, yeah. it's pretty crazy because like as the E and D brand, we're booking obviously the cruise yeah. and we are working on more of a, uh, upscale festival thing right now. So we are in that business of booking bands and it's so crazy because radius clause and every band going out at this time and yep. like even when like before we announced our E&D cruise which yellow card story of the year and mayday parade are playing they are all playing shows together i'm so fucking pissed <laughs> and gavin's so pissed about it i, I remember <laughs> i called you off and he's like they're all playing together for the first time in so long or ever and he goes and, and he goes and our cruise doesn't have that first and, and our I'll, cruise is just a fucking stop it's not even the thing <laughs> Right. He got, oh, he got so pissed because we booked them on the cruise first and then that became like a little tour package. Yeah. But I guess my point is, is like, you're right. It was right. a good idea at least. Yeah. They, they thought it was a good idea. They thought it was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but like, uh, listen, we're just happy that all these bands are back and touring and sure. making money. Like, thank God, man. Like, and I, making more money than ever, and, I think. No. <laughs> we you, know. Bro, we know. Yeah. Look at the yellow card tour with story of the year on it right now i don't know if yeah. Mayday parade is on this run huge but it is huge yep. and like uh, not to overshare this again because i just talked to goldstein about this but like ryan key is like mind blown at the support and also then uh, in a weird freaking way because i've known the guy for a while on more of a personal level on a weird way i don't know if he realized how big yellow card still is or sure. how influential his record was because it, it's it was a Ocean Avenue was a massive, massive record. And and the songs were so... They're just fucking great songs. So he's he's fired up. He's emotional about how big their shows are. And it just makes me so proud when I uh, Dan Marsala posted. And I was, I'm like, that crap. There's thousands of people at the story of the year. Yellow card show. And I'm just... I'm happy it's back, dude. Thank God. Bigger because, than ever. Bigger than ever. Because for all of us who love the scene, we felt that almost... Uh, I don't know, decade, 15 years of not much. And it kind of sucked. The, ten, the yeah. 2010s were tough. Yeah. The 2010s were a tough time. I think everyone was trying to figure it out. Yeah. How, how does it, how does this genre keep going uh, outside of the garage, outside of the DIY space, you know, cause totally the there was so much good music at the beginning of the 2010s in 2011, you had everybody from, Frank Ocean yep. to Kendrick Cole. Kendrick, the, like everybody kind of came up at that point and rock was just kind of out of fashion for a little bit, which is like just to be expected in any sort of creative space like that. You know, it's it, comes, all cycles. it just comes in and it comes out and you just like, the key is you just got to like stick with it. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's, that's, I, I feel like the, the one thing you got to do is just keep going. No, you're, you know? you're right. Because the thing is, it'll, it, that sound or style will eventually come back. It will come back. It will be appreciated again. I think, or you'll it, grind on it enough to where you are the new sound. I mean, look at what turnstile did with hardcore. Sure. They took hardcore, this thing that's been around forever and they brought it to, you know, glow on, which is the most accessible hardcore album of all time. You know, it's like, Damn. and it, it you know, it, it, 
they're on tour with Blink-182, one of the biggest well, dude, world tours of all their, time. Their yeah. personal shows are thousands of people. Oh, yeah. Like, they're crushing it. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool to see this music come back to light. And in addition to Frank Ocean and, and those other people from the 2010s, EDC just blew up. Yeah. And that kind of took people's attention. Uh, that was their, that, in a weird way, because it's so different, that was their new... From oh no! I feel like all EDM kids were once emo kids. Yeah. I didn't yes. know it Bro. until like a few years ago, but it's true. Why though? It's so different and counterculture. Like, yeah, yeah. It, Maybe it's just a new place to go that isn't normie. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. And it's mind blowing because you have Sunny Moore, obviously, who is Skrillex. You have Cash Cash, who were Cash Cash back then, a more MySpacey scene band, and now they're just DJs. Breathe Carolina. Breathe Carolina, and now they're DJs, and it's like what a odd shift because the music couldn't be further apart. Sure. It's so, and maybe as an artist, what do you like, what's the comparison? Why, why go ED, Like why go EDM? You know, what's crazy is we took Sonny on his first DJ run that I'm aware of. Chiodos did in Europe. As Skrillex? Uh, no, he was just Sonny Moore at that okay. point. Wow. Um, but he was just DJing. Uh, his aim name was always Skrillex. Um, name, name. Okay. Oh, yep. wow. Yep. AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, Rip. I, just, I just heard a door open. Rip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved hearing that sound. I, I remember kind of sitting down with him, and this is before like Skrillex had really taken off, and he was more focused on his solo stuff. Um, but I think it's just like the chasing of exciting sounds as a creative. I think it's just about sound design mm -hmm. and sick drops. That's kind of like what my experience in EDM kind of was, you know? Interesting. Is, yeah, it, it's a lot of sound design. It's also a lot of know? drugs. Sure, a lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I did a tour as Bad Channels with Getter a few years ago, and I got the tour four days before. I had never, ever even been to an EDM show. Yep. I showed up, and it was my first time ever doing a set like that. Yep. And I just had to kind of rip the Band-Aid off in front of thousands of people. And I remember I played in Santa Cruz, I think it was, or somewhere along there. And I get on stage, and I'm so used to being a hardcore vocalist where I'm like, let's go! Motor like, I'm motivating, I'm yelling at everybody. And I saw this one guy drop down in the fetal position behind a chair because he was on drugs and he was so afraid that I was going to yell at him. Oh shit. And it was just not the vibe. So you talk about drugs in EDM. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of at EDM shows, drugs and butt cheeks. Drugs Those are the two things. Not two not things you can bad. count on. Combo. You know what? I just figured out it <laughs> just clicked in my head why that scene took over. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> drugs and butt cheeks. But drugs and butt cheeks. Let's done. Let's go, dude. You know what? Let's get into it. EDM's not dead, bro. EDM's Let's go. not dead. Let's go. It's not dead. So I want, you mentioned Getter, which obviously Gavin, let me just I don't know if you know who it is. Do you know who Getter is? Uh, I don't. Okay. So you know obviously you know who he is. He, I just showed Gavin this clip and this is, this leads to my question, but Getter is also a comedian mm -hmm. and he's really funny. He's funny. He's a funny person. And he was in, uh, the real bros of Simi Valley, the internet series, the YouTube series with Jimmy, uh, T Tatro and those guys. He's the guy who fights the baby, mm -hmm. that big meme that went around and it's really funny. Yep. Was he, was he an actor first and then became a DJ or has he always been a DJ and also is funny and started acting? I think he's just like naturally a star and he just is, like, dude. I just think he just like does what he wants to do, bro. Crushes it, and then just like he, if he wants to do it, he'll keep doing it. If he doesn't want to, he just doesn't. What's so I wild, think. and I agree with you on him just being a star. When I when I watched uh, Real Bros of Simi Valley, 
he is the one who stuck out to me and he was so naturally good naturally funny just naturally a, a semi douche bro <laughs> just a naturally semi douche bro and has a look for it and a vibe for it and i was like this guy's fucking special he's got something and then the next thing i find like someone else goes yo I'm going to a getter show and I didn't know who that was. And I looked it up and I was like, yo, this guy DJs too and draws kids. Is, is he, I mean, he also produces a ton of things like that. You've probably heard too. No he's, shit. Yeah, he's a, he's a really wildly successful producer as well. Yeah. Have you ever dated anyone famous? Like, have you ever crossed over into like, pop culture? I have. Is it challenging when you have two? I mean, I imagine there's ego in, in, in a relationship of, of, that caliber is that a new challenge in a relationship i i didn't experience that personally yeah like i thought it was great uh, it was just like kind of best friends turn naturally whatever got it um i feel like you know we were kind of talking before we started filming it's just really important to have someone that kind of understands and supports what it is that you do right and the cool thing about that kind of crossover is it's still industry based. Yeah. So you can just communicate and validate and understand. And uh, those are obviously really important things in a relationship. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah. You yeah. have, you have understanding because they're at your level or above or yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I, um, so I, Ariel and I are in a relationship and we're both in the industry and it's, it's really nice to have that support of someone who understands things. Like um, we were talking about this earlier, Ariel and I are in a relationship and it's so nice that we get each other fully yeah. and that she respects my work. And when I have to put on my wig and be an idiot and I'm like, Hey, I need you to be on set. Like she gets how important it is. And I've also been in, um, I wouldn't call them relationships, but I have dated some girls that are a little bit, it, it it's just different when you're not when you're dating someone who's not in normies normies when you date a normie, <laughs> date a normie. hey thanks guys no yeah. <laughs> no but like it's there's just something different about not under quite understanding you're not what a normie you're do. in the industry what do you mean uh, yeah now I'm in the industry I guess maybe a little bit yeah and, <laughs> you're a star of a podcast what do you yeah, mean star podcast star <laughs> he's a podcast star <laughs> that needs to be his title podcast Wait, star. write that down podcast star <laughs> we got that Gavin Simcoe the podcast star oh no <laughs> yeah bro, bro you're a star now so, so you better <laughs> just got hot um but no i th i think that a lot of people can be in relationships where one person is in the more in the limelight and the other person's not and they don't quite understand the male or female attention that one person might get because of it and they hate it and you might be in public at by no means am i even saying this is me but this is some friends of mine, sometimes it's happened to me, but when you date someone that doesn't understand it, you could be out in public and then a group of girls runs up to you and then the girl gets the girl that you're dating gets jealous and she's just kind of like, that girl was blah, blah, and you kind of flirted back and it's like, I'm in, I have to be nice back. There's, yeah. there's nothing you know worse than being punished for doing what you love. Yes, dude. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it has nothing, yep. and it has nothing to do with I'm flirting because I want to have sex with them. It's like I'm making them feel special. I'm making them feel seen. I'm being I'm, myself. I'm being myself. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you if you find that to be weird, but that's something that I respect the shit out of, obviously, like Ariel, because she understands that and there's never anything anything weird if we're in public and I'm talking to some fans and they both happen to be attractive girls. Like it's just nice to know when someone understands that it's okay to talk to someone of the opposite sex who is attractive, who is a fan of you. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like you've, I'm sure you've experienced that. And like, he's a heartthrob. I've definitely experienced that. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just comes down to just like, okay, this just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, like, also, as we get older too, I mean, in 20, at 26, you might have mo- way more of these issues than at 36. Like, right. I mm-hmm. feel like people, yeah, we grow the fuck up. Yeah, right? that's yeah. true. Um, okay. Getting back a little bit to some projects. Yeah. Do you love drugs so much that you named your band after it? Or? I mean, actually, yeah. I, uh, the name of it was because, like, drugs, the part was I had just come off of a bender and my team, well, it wasn't a bender, it was a relapse. And I had obviously told my team because I had a good support system, kind of just like of people to tell. And I was feeling shame and embarrassment because that's what happens. And as a joke, I said, uh, we were on an email thread and uh, we were talking about what can, should we name the band? And as a joke, I said, maybe we should call it drugs. Ha ha ha. Just as a, like a joke. Um, and then uh, the manager responded and said, unless you can come up with a better one, then that's it. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> what did I just do? Funny. Uh, yeah. So the acronym didn't come first. No. Okay. Yep, the name <laughs> Could you first. imagine? The name came first. <laughs> The like destroy rebuild until God shows. That actually spells drugs. <laughs> drugs. You're <laughs> uh, getting back to the writing process a little bit. You kind of pioneered the funny song title. Long winded, can't even read the whole thing on the iPod video. What is the rest of the title? I don't know. The word best friend becomes dot dot dot. Uh, what is what is your favorite one that you've ever come up with? Oh. They were all like pretty much just inside jokes, you know, those stupid moments where your friends are all hanging out and someone says something so stupid and then everybody just laughs for way longer than it, it they should have, uh, those giddy moments. Um, so social, it wasn't you sitting down trying to be... It was, uh, ex- it was social originally and then as that was happening, I would pull mm. aside and kind of write that down. Um, but it's, it's so important for me to... I do this all the time even... Um, I'll have a friend come in the studio and if they're just there hanging out or something, yell, say something on the track, something. It's about attaching good energy to something that you believe in. Mm-hmm. And it comes across as more authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like favorite one, I have, I have no idea. There's, there's a lot of good new ones that I have written down. Okay. Um, so I'll probably... I'm going to probably just plead the fifth and, and say it's still to come, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You're, you're still you're still exercising that. Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. Sweet. Yeah. It's just part of my process. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's so dope. And now I'm looking forward to just seeing the next song title. Can you do one Craig Owens title? <laughs> yes. Well, how album? about when, when me and Craig do our song together? Oh. Let's go. Let's, let's go, dude. And then we'll have you just name it something random, whatever let's comes go. Yeah, Let's go. Yeah, when, um, I, when, when I all found, three of us do our songs. <laughs> when all three of Yeah, bring in <laughs> the podcast star. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> bring in the <laughs> podcast star. <laughs> just at the end of the song, or the breakdown Gavin, is just, do you believe in aliens? <laughs> Gavin, now you're officially on that track saying that. Oh do you believe, get ready. <laughs> do you believe in aliens? Oh my I can God. pig squeal it. <laughs> I know you can. Yeah. No, I bro, you that. had a scream. You had a you screamed in your old band, right? Yeah, I would scream and on stage and everything. Sick. When when we were rehearsing for the cruise, so I, I my your broken hero played the cruise, mm-hmm. and um I was it was Gavin and our other managing partner at the time, and Gavin was just at rehearsals, 
And I know that he plays, you play bass? Bass, yeah. I know he plays bass and he screams. And I was like, dude, get up here and play. So he grabs the bass. And there's a, uh, I have a song called Tommy's Face with Spencer Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, Spencer Chamberlain has a screaming part. And Gavin took it over. And I remember just being like, oh, like, shit. Yo. Yeah. Like Gavin had a scream on him. I felt at home. So sick. I felt at home. That's Bro, great. Bro, you really felt at home. It, yeah. it, it, it rocked. And it had been a long, it's been a long time too. Like I, I have a, now that I'm here where I'm at, I'm like, there's going to be more opportunities to scream in front of Spencer Chamberlain. I better start practicing. <laughs> Get <Right>. your <laughs> shit together. Like, I need Get to. your shit together. Okay, so down to something more serious. Do you believe in aliens? <laughs> I, I, wait, are you actually asking I'm me actually that? asking that. I mean, I think it's pretty crazy to think that we're the only anything. Convince Thank me. you. So yeah, con- hey, con- yeah. Convince me, because I, I don't believe in aliens. You don't? I don't. Gavin, <laughs> I don't believe you. I think you're trolling. No. I'm not <laughs> kidding, bro. I think you're trolling. No. See, I've gone so far down the rabbit hole now yeah. that when... Didn't they like just like announce it like two years ago during the pandemic and bro, like the, no one cared? Yeah, so the, the U.S. Navy announced that yeah. there was confirmed, we don't know what this is out yeah. here, um, uh, Lieutenant David Fravor was the pilot with the Tic Tac UFO. And I've gone so so deep now that when the narrative switches or when things go mainstream, I'm like, wait a second. You mean to tell me for 60 years there's this cover up, you won't release JFK files, but all of a sudden aliens are real. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, Hmm. I'm actually, I don't believe in aliens. And so I I, kind of feel crazy, like almost schizophrenic where I'm like, I've been pushing for this my whole life. Right. And now I'm like, wait a second. Because you've wanted to believe in aliens your whole life? Is that what you're saying? No, because before when they're telling you that it's not real, you're like, yeah, it fucking is. And then all of a sudden they're telling you it is real and you're like, wait a second. I think these are just authority issues that you have. No, <laughs> no, that's for real. I know. Me yeah, too. Yeah. Me too. That's why we're all here. Yeah. Right. That's we, why all, we, all have, we all have authority yeah. issues. That's why we're all here. No, that's real. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, I get it. So you do believe in aliens. So do you believe contact has happened? They're here flying around and observing? I haven't really thought. spent that much time and energy into it uh, just because I don't. I like to do my research. Mm-hmm. I like to spend time and know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. before I just... What's your favorite things? Your favorite conspiracy then that you've researched? I mean, my favorite in terms of like jest or in truth? Both. I mean, birds aren't real is my favorite jest for sure. Yeah. It's just great. We saw two government surveillance drones (laughs) yesterday. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Wait, Um, wait, no. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, those drones were huge. No, okay. No, I'm saying I know. Like the birds aren't real? No, I'm saying birds aren't real. Elaborate on what you believe about the birds aren't real. I I don't really believe that birds aren't real. I just think it's a a good bit. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's just funny. Have you heard of the brand birds aren't real? I have, but I don't know. I don't know about it. Yeah, so it's just um, it's kind of a shtick comedy uh, thing that is like so parody that they really push that it's a real conspiracy. Got it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a clothing brand that has a really fucking awesome brand name, mm-hmm. and the whole concept is like birds were replaced by government surveillance drones in the seventies, and they created a mass extinction event of birds, replaced them all with drones, yeah. and now they watch us. Yeah, and and also I just don't like birds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they're beautiful uh, they, as are, in terms of nature, but like if one gets near me, I like trip out. Their beauty oh, little eyes. You know? Oh shit, dude! A birds little, are just kind of scary. A little bit of a freak out. Well, they're, they're dinosaurs. Scary. They're dinosaurs. Right, right. Like so. legitimate. That's what dinosaurs evolved into. I mean, haven't yeah. pigeons been around like forever? Well, dinosaurs. Or is it, is it a pigeon and dinosaur? Well, birds. I know. I know. Komo- I feel like I I've heard. Komodo. I feel like I've heard what you're saying. Yeah. No. I I think I've heard that pigeons are one of the birds with one of the most you know, oldest birds of all time. And it makes sense. And yeah. they're like prehistoric. What's, I mean, do you guys, you guys familiar with Komodo dragons? Sure. Yeah. 
that's a fucking dinosaur. That is a dinosaur. Yeah. You can't like you can't convince me when you look at it, you can't convince alligators, guys. That's a dinosaur. <laughs> a crocodile. Alligators, guys. You guys, a crocodile, a crocodile is a dinosaur. That's the title of the song. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. <laughs> right. right. Alligators are dinosaurs? That's a great title. That's a great title. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I tried, I tried to get an It Boys t-shirt <laughs> so I could so I could show up to the video shoot last time wearing Stop. it. Stop. I really tried and I couldn't find one. Oh, bro. Uh, you got to find... An emo's not dead. It you got to you gotta just like at least put it out there even if it's like one little link yeah. and it's just yeah. an old site but yeah. even it, oh, just for the bro, bit. I appreciate the I tried. bit. I appreciate the try. I tried. I, appre- wow. I, hey, I appreciate that. Dude, appreciate that's that. a good... For April Fool's next year we're putting out a knit boys. Yes, we are. Yeah. 100%. That'd be funny. It's great. Oh my God. That'd be funny. Um, okay. I want to get into a few more serious topics before we get really crazy. Yeah, sure. Uh, Wait. Yes. We're crazier just than... Just about to get crazy. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. We're going to chug yeah. our whiskeys and we're going to get wild. Um, is there any producer or artist you haven't worked with that you really want to? Oh my gosh. That's a really good question. Um, a producer or artist... I mean, artist, I've always wanted to work with Gucci Mane. I think Gucci Mane would be sick. I'm a huge Gucci fan. Sick. I think he'd be so sick. I think he could sing a hook. I think I could like write a song where he could sing a hook and it would make sense. Wow. Um, so Gucci is on top of my list. I even asked the label for the last drugs record, uh, and it was just out of our budget, obviously. Um, what, is and, a, what is the budget for? Give me, can you give me a range on a budget for a Gucci Mane feature? Uh, I don't know specifically, but I'm going to guess it's somewhere between 50 and 100. I was wow. going to think that same thing. Yeah. Same thing. I think right now 50K would do it. I do. I think, I think in the height, I think it'd be more of like the 1 to 150, but I think right now 50K could do it. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, huge. Yeah, it's a big number, but it's like doable for a successful artist to be like, okay. I'll pay it. I'll get you on that you track. You might yeah. break the internet with a Gucci. Bro. It would be so sick. Drugs featuring Gucci. Oh, my God. It would just be God. so sick. Dude, I would, would lose, I would lose my mind. Yeah. And I just love his perspective, uh, what he's done with his life. The book is the good. The book is amazing. The book is great. Damn. Um, yeah, I'm a huge Gucci fan. And I and I love like heavy trap music, too. That's like just one of my favorite genres of of kind of uh, music. I just love yeah. that Spe- trap hip hop, you know? Speaking of, of genres, do you, I mean, obviously Gucci Mane, but what other either pop or hip hop, who are your top artists? Who do you love listening to? I know I mentioned Teenage Dream earlier and you're like, that's a bop. Oh, I love like, Katy Perry. Katy Perry, dude. Her, her voice yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. Give me feeling things. Um, that's a layover from Warped. Did you tour with her on Warped? I think... We would play back to back with her as Cinematic Sunrise. Oh, sick! I think we did for two thousand eight. Yeah, I think is when she was on. Um, I and mean, I think we played the same stage. Yeah. So did you go Chiodos and Cinematic Sunrise at the same on the same? Yes. Yep. So two. I did two sets, two signings, and then sometimes an acoustic set too. No. So when shit. when other people complain about Warp Tour and their scrims, like Matt Cutchell, <laughs> their scrims. <laughs> You're doing two of those a day. Yeah, two a day, and then two signings a day, and then sometimes, I mean, and then the press and whatever it is, you know. The hardest working so, dude in alternative damn, music. Damn. Do you remember, remember bringing your scrims? Remember that? I remember scrims. Remember scrims? Yeah. yeah. I'm, dude, I've, I have not heard that word in so long. You said it on the podcast, too. Did <laughs> I? Okay. That's how That's I great. know the word. Yeah, and for yeah. people who don't know what scrims are and who the hell made this up, it was like you have these literally like banners that you put on each, like, 
banners on PCP pipe. Is that what it's called? The P- P- PVC. PVC. I'm P- going to say drug. you. The <laughs> drugs. drugs talk. Oh, on this. Shit, a lot of drug talk. <laughs> no, but like it'd be like uh, really lightweight pipe and it would have your banner and like you'd put your name or and your, maybe your record or whatever you want to advertise mm-hmm. and it would be behind you. And that was your backdrop because you couldn't have a backdrop like the headliners. So I'll never forget packing up our scrims and rolling them out and like, damn, I haven't heard scrims in, in a while. I've heard anyone's. I'll say scrims. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I have it. So to get yeah. back to the question. Yeah. Pop. Uh, Charlie yeah. XCX would be great too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love her. Okay. She's amazing. Cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. You know what's crazy? I So obviously I know who she is. I never really, I never really dived in. So is there, what are your favorite songs or what are, oh my gosh. Or what was, what was one of the first songs that spoke to you that she did? I, I'm not very good with song titles, to be uh, honest. I'm not either. Um, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a fair question but, coming from a guy who doesn't know song titles. Right? I'm just yeah. like, okay, I have a few songs saved, and these are the ones I listen okay, to. Okay, I feel that. Um, I think Forever is a song, uh, but a couple albums ago, two albums ago, I think is when I really started getting into her, um, and it just really stuck with me, you yeah. know? When you she can... only releases bops, and she has like that... Uh, one of the new songs on the Barbie soundtrack. So oh, sick. sick. So sick. When you consume yeah. music, are you the song guy or are you the album guy? I'll go, I'm a song guy, but I'll go through the album track by track and then of artists that I really like and then I'll just save off the first listen. Yeah. Um, or I won't. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then I'll go back and revisit and then sometimes certain things shouldn't have made the cut. Right. And yeah. I'll you refine. trim the fat. Yep. 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 First listen was a yep. Not right. I feel yeah. that. Um, okay. So we have a few more questions, and yeah. I want to. I've had this experience on tour, and I want to know if you have something similar. But have you ever been on tour in a certain city where you didn't feel welcome? <laughs> where you went to a ball, like like were your jeans too skinny with the long hair and, or nails painted, and you were in more of a southern you know southern hospitality type place and i don't like i've had some really interesting run-ins with people at bars there when the band just wanted to go out have you had any really uncomfortable weird interaction like that not really because i don't do that i don't really Mm -hmm. like go out i don't really like put myself in that situation i've had experiences like that maybe walking down the road yeah i remember in early chiotos touring walking down the road and you know you get the you get the f word thrown at you uh and something else thrown at you as you're walking down with your boys or whatever you know stuff like that but uh i have you probably feel this way too our energy doing what we do is inviting and drunk people feel that mm-hmm. invite mm-hmm. and then they project whatever it is that they're projecting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're yes. feeling. Yes. And it's just people are naturally kind of drawn For to sure. me anyways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So I just don't put myself in situations like that. No, I get that. You know? And, and by the way, dude, like if you go to somewhere in, if you go to a random subcity in Arkansas, and you look the way you do, tattoos, you know, well dressed, not wearing work boots and like like Carhartt work pants. You you stick out like a th- like a sore thumb. And people, it, I w- I will never forget. My band walked into a bar, and this is when I, this is when I was new to touring, and I wasn't sure that certain things weren't safe to do. And we walked into a bar, all skinny jeans, swoopy hair, and uh, we walk in and we go up to order the drink and the bartender kind of like looks at us and is almost like, Oh God, I got to serve these guys. And she was, she was kind of rude, but she was still going to serve us. 
And then the two guys sitting in the bar, like burly dudes with like beards, like they were staring at us. It was like a movie. No, no for real, yeah. like a movie. And they said, what are y'all doing in, a, in this part of town? Like, like a movie. What y'all boys doing in this part? <laughs> for, no, no joke. Just like that. And I was like, uh-oh. And we were like, oh, we just played a show at the blah, blah venue. And then they kind of like nodded their heads. And the guy says, well, we don't like your kind around here. And I was like, he actually said that. Yes. And I was like, this can't be real, but it was. And I was terrified. Yeah. And, and I was like, uh, and resp- I mean, I'm not a fucking tough guy. So I said, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we left. Sorry. <laughs> no, I literally said, I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, you know, we're just, we just played a show and, and you know, we're, we're not going to stick around. Hmm. And we all left and we were like, oh my God, that really just happened. It was really, it was Weird. Speaking of That's looking crazy. ridiculous <clears throat> in a bar, what's your favorite uh, brand of girl girl jeans? I never actually wore girl jeans. Imposter. We have a phony. We have a phony. I, have a phony. I oh never. Uh, it was the Super Slims, and before that, it was Diesel. Oh, really? Yep. But wow. I never oh. actually wore girl jeans. Dude, early Craig Owens did wear the Diesels. He wore yep. the boot cut Diesels, right? He did. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Interesting. I had they were the cut slim, too. They were the slim cuts, but... No, but didn't, didn't they have like the... Didn't yep. they... Right, they were slim, but they, they did. still yep, fit they over like out that. at the bottom. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, mine, yeah. mine. You didn't ask, but mine was the American Eagle <laughs> boyfriend bootcut jeans, a size two. All right, a size two. <laughs> Can size you believe two, this guy was a size two? Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. No, no this, balls. This podcast star used to be a skinny little guy. <laughs> no balls. <laughs> this podcast mega star. Um. Okay. Craziest tour story. Um. I don't really know. There's so many. Yeah. Like there's so many. I mean, I remember one night. I think. It was probably 2004, 2005, and we were the Chiodos brothers still. And it was my first time taking mushrooms. And I, I think it was like one of my last times as well. I'm not, I can't, I can't do them. Yeah. Um, but it was one of our first times in Las Vegas and we all took them together and we're like, it's going to be a boys night out. It's going to be so sick. We're going to go just party. It's going to be so sick. And you know, I, I was probably 18, 19 years old. And um, everybody went in a casino, but I couldn't. And I didn't. And I got lost in Las Vegas on mushrooms for about a half an hour trying to find where the Motel 6 that we were staying at is. And we were... So finally, uh, it it was a half an hour to figure out where I was. And about two hours before I got back, by myself, sweating, so whatever... We had this like emptied out short bus that we toured in. I remember sleeping in there because the Motel 6 room was too full with all the people. And I just kept waking up to fights. Oh, um, pimps yelling at prostitutes and screaming and all of this just insane. And I was just like mm-hmm. so scared in no. like the back of this like short. Yeah. No. And as we, you know, and, and the guys came back eventually. Um, and they walked in, and uh, our guitar player at the time was passed out, covered in lotion, and it turns out he had paid four hundred and twenty dollars for a half a hand job. Four twenty. Four twenty for a half a hand. <laughs> that's what. That's what he said. Oh god. But uh, there were photos of him just literally like the lotion was like on his like. I'm not just talking casually. I'm talking like. Oh, all oh over just him. oil just it was, up. It was bad. Yeah, but four four twenty for. For half a hand job. That's expensive, dude. Damn. By the way, no spiritual enlightening on mushrooms? Anything? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do them anymore Just fear. Yeah. Yeah, No way. 
I always love hearing this because, you know, we're so young when we're writing music and, and we're experimenting with the bands that we're in. And then going back, you know, even 10 years later, but now, gosh, almost 20 years later, cringiest lyric you've ever written <laughs> that you still have to sing. That I still have to sing. Or, I mean, I don't have to sing. Okay, anything. yeah, you don't that's have to like anything. the best part about. Yeah, you know, um, is there one lyric though that you're like? Ooh. Yeah, there's a song called "Expensive Conversations in Cheap Motels" that was like an epitome of anger. I was trying to channel anger, and it just comes across like anger, and it's just really ugly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just not me at all, and it just feels wrong. Yeah. Um. So I'll never play that song again. Wow. But, but um. So that's your favorite song. You're burnt. Actually, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Damn. Yep. Damn. What was your What was your cringiest one? Probably guys don't like me because their girlfriends do, which was an It Boy song. Actually, our yeah. biggest song yet. And <laughs> it's so bad. Gavin, Gavin loves making fun. Of, I love it so much. Wait, Gavin, you think that's bad? Gavin reams. I me. think that's on point, bro. No, no. <laughs> I love G- Gavin's rants on It Boy's an industry plant. I, I I love it. No, but um. And by the way, I actually am proud of like. You're proud as, how bad it as, is. As bad as it is, it did very well for that reason. Yeah. The song I I titled the song "Guys Don't Like Me" and the full lyric is "Guys Don't Like Me Because Their Girlfriends Do." And it was just it was just a funny idea for like a music video and a song. Yeah. That was kind of it, and it actually worked. Do you know what I'm believe saying? Believe it. I it, believe it. it. It worked, and uh, but but still, when I look back at some of that stuff, and I was like, man, some of the songs that we wrote genuinely, I wrote artistically because it meant something to me. And others were just like, what would be a hit? And we did so many of that because um, when we were, I mean, you know what it's like to be in a struggling band. You just fake it till you make it. You want something to hit. So we wrote songs that meant something to us. And if it didn't do anything, we're like, what do people want to hear? And um, so, yeah, that just it, guys don't like me because their girlfriends do. That's probably mm. most, one of the top cringe lyrics. I still want a Your Broken Hero remix of that song to make it better. Um, <laughs> so, uh the last question that I have, just get a little more serious. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think at Chiodos bro- Brothers, they nineteen. When, when did it start? When did that band really come together? Like, when did the band come together, yeah. or when did yeah, the when project did start? The band come together. Was Probably two thousand one ish. Two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So we're so we're so far removed from that. Yeah. What would you tell? I would have been little, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Wait how how old were you? Sixteen. Okay. Yep. So wow. Young. God. Wow! If I graduated at seventeen, it was my junior year, two thousand one. Yeah, thinking like thinking about a sixteen year old now as grown ass men. That yeah. is a kid, right? You were a kid actually creating yeah. that music. So, yeah. so what do you tell little Damn. Craig from your perspective now about the scene, the industry, Ooh, what to watch out for? That's really good. Um, trust your gut. Don't people please, and uh, just be your authentic self. Yeah, I think would be mm-hmm. you know the best the best advice. Beautiful. So, Beautiful. Yeah. I like that. I like be be yourself. Don't try to please an industry. Don't try to please people. Just be yourself. And your music comes off as so, as as in you're doing you. Right. You guys are doing you. It's your sound. It's your style. It's your lyrics. It's your song titles. It's you. You're being yourself. Yeah. And your fans know that and they feel it. And that's why they love you so much. Yeah. So I, I so that. you're actually genuinely giving advice based on how you are living. In my, I mean, in my opinion, from from a fan standpoint, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, just before we, yeah. whatever you can you can plug this in later or whatever. But um, I do want to say there is not a meet and greet that goes by where someone doesn't ask me about you or the cruise. And I just want to reiterate on the podcast so everybody knows when 
you... So first of all, all I have is good things to say, right? Thank you. And uh, I just want to say how grateful I am for what you do for this community. I think it maybe goes a little unnoticed for the impact that people like you have in it. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, But also, bro, you are a star. Like the first time you put on that wig, (laughs) I watched you just blossom. It was, it was, Oh man, it was amazing. And obviously you're great without it, whatever. Yeah. But literally that's what I tell people. Like when we were at that shoot for the video that we did and I watched you put on that wig, you just, dude, you are just meant for this. You're born to do it. If you're having any self doubt lately, keep going because you are crushing it. And yeah, I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful to be here, and Thank thanks you, for all you do. Dude, Legit. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much for saying that. And it's funny because uh, I do question what I do sometimes, and I think every artist does, but to the point where I I made that character for a one-off video, and it became successful, and then it built this Emosantad brand and this community, and I really come from it, right? So like at, when I first, my first couple of videos, people kind of questioned if it was like making fun of, but it's, I'm from the, I'm from it. I toured it. I've been there. I've done that. But like, I often am like, man, I was like, am I doing, I don't know. Am, am I, am I doing what people still want to see? And going back to you saying, trust your gut is just do what makes do trust your gut. And I do, I have to just kind of trust that I'm, that I'm still doing what, what I'm meant to be doing. So Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that, you're that's, that, that's that's very that's very kind. Yeah, thank, I appreciate it. Yeah, and absolutely. also thank you for saying that to him because I often am the the shoulder to cry on. I'm like, no, dude, you got to keep going. You gotta yeah, keep putting the wig on. bro, you yeah. got to keep going. You can sold yeah. out cruises and look at look at the impact you're having. Think about like, I mean, think like think about how many bands you're helping. Think about mm-hmm. think about how many fans you're helping. Think about like. I mean, the band help is crazy. It's crazy. crazy. That band's actually, but also just like the laughter and joy that you're bringing people. And, and I think this scene was desperate for something like it. And I think, um, I think you just stepped up and filled the void. So like, I think everybody probably shares this sentiment. We're all grateful to have you be a part of it, dude. Thank you, man. Yeah. And and I, I really appreciate that. And I really do feel welcome because when I started seeing guys like you follow back and appreciate and support and you come on our podcast and you guys play our cruise, you guys are part of the video. It truly means so much to me because I get to literally work with like my heroes in the scene. And it's so special that, um, that we're able to do this. And like, I, I truly feel like I love our E&D fans so much and we now have a home for them and we have a place for them to, to, we can share your tour or share your new song or whatever it is. And it feels so special that we have this platform. So thank you very much for saying that. Of course. I, I genuinely, I appreciate it. Also yeah. touching on that. Yep. When the fuck are you going to play our cruise? I know we need to talk about that. Don't we? Yeah, we do. We need to talk about we that. We need to talk about that. Cause yeah. I think we have, uh, I think there's some maybe some room for Craig Owens on the on the cruise. We let's got, go, we let, got, yeah, yeah, dude. Let's get you on that cruise. If y'all also, want me? Yeah. Also, we are uh, planning and working on a festival. We've right. teased it a few times. It's in the works, but uh, whether no it's, whether it's no promises, we're working on it. It's a lot of work to put together a festival. Whether it's a festival or a cruise, we, we got to have you play. So yeah, we we'll, got to figure we'll, it out. We'll Let talk me know. about that. Yeah, we'll talk cool. about that. For sure. Damn. Okay, well, dude, I mean, listen, we've been chatting for a long time, <laughs> yeah. and we, we we love having you on. Thank you again for being here. Of course. Um, dude, What what is going on? What do you want to promote? I know you were just on tour with drugs. You're about to hit another tour with drugs. Uh, are you out with drugs, Escape the Fate, and who else are you going out with? The 
I, th- I can't remember the name. I think it's Out of the Shadows tour. Um, September, mostly. Some of October, some of early August. Uh, with Escape the Fate, Stitch Up Heart, um, Point North, and Garzy. Um, I have a solo album of Reimagined Greatest Hits coming out August right. 18th called Volume 1, Hell yeah. uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, so check that out. And... Um, yeah, other than that, uh, after this next run, I'm going to do some of the dates to make up um, that we just had to cancel. Mm. And then after that, um, it's time for an- another drugs record. Yes, so dude. Just Hell yeah. starting to write already. Got about, I've got like, I'm writing two records right now and they're trying to pressure me into three because some of the songs lean a certain way. But uh, I've got like thirty to forty percent of both of those albums. Hell yeah! Uh, can you go in? So can you tease what you're doing differently with this record? With the drugs record, yeah. Um, just bringing on uh, one or two of my friends is really the only way to switch it up. I'm still going to work with Mitch Rogers. Uh, him and I did the last one together, um, and uh, like writing wise, um, and just going to bring on one or two friends, but. Um, I'm going to try and be a little more free with it. You know, I think I was so focused on having great songs that like, I like cared too much a little bit, which is weird because it felt like the most detached record I've ever made the last drugs record. But, um, yeah. Cool. Sick. Yep. Cool. Cool. Dude. Thank you thank so you. much for being here. And you guys, we're going to link all things Craig Owens below as far as tour dates, uh, a new album drop, a single that comes out that will be linked below in the description. So make sure to go down, check him out, support him. And um, Gavin, is there anything else? No, I think that's it, man. We'll Jeez. have everything linked down. And uh, thanks yeah. so much for coming on, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate and once it. again, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Craigery Owens. Oh